The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Rameen. If you or someone you are close to is dealing with addiction, there are so many programs out there that can help you. But how do you gauge which ones are going to work the best for you? Some are expensive. Some deal with some of the issues, but don't get to the heart of the matter. Others treat the problem at a basic level, but don't determine ultimate success. Join us now for an hour that sets out to be truly groundbreaking and will help you discover how to find the best program for your addiction problem. Now, here is Ross Rameen. Hey, welcome to the show. This is Ross Rameen. Thanks so much for joining us today. Um, As always, it means the world to me that um, you have a lot of choices to pick from, and um, thanks for choosing me. Um, As always, we have another great... um, uh, we have another great episode of Client Files where we bring in people in all stages of recovery um, and talk to them about where they're where, where they're at, where they've been. Um, and most of the time, I'm getting amazing feedback. Not most of the time, all the time. I really haven't had any bad feedback about it. Um, it's people being very honest about where they are in their lives and where they're going, where they've been, where they don't want to go anymore. Um, and then possibly giving them some help, you know, what's going to make them succeed in life. And today will be no exception to that. I got an email from a listener, um, and she was asking me to give a little, um, kind of little ditty, a little story about who I was and why I'm here. I did that in my first episode, but I figured before we jump into our, um, the client that we have today, whose name is Austin, um, I kind of give a little rundown on how I ended up where I'm at, um, because when I do these uh, talks, the the people don't get to hear much about where I'm from. And the whole point of these things is for me to relate to the clients that we talk to. And I say clients, I, I, that's probably a bad way to put it. I, fellow drug addicts, fellow alcoholics, fellow people that life was totally upside down. And that's where my life was. Um, I'm coming on almost 10 years of sobriety and 10 years ago, um, or actually probably over 15 years ago, I went to my first drug and alcohol treatment center uh, by way of a family intervention. I was doing way too much cocaine, <laughs> way too much cocaine and drinking too much. And I ended up going away for 30 days to an inpatient and then followed by an outpatient program in Chicago, where I'm from. During that time frame, I did, you know, as I look back on it now, Um, It's amazing what I was willing to accept and what I didn't know I needed to accept and what was reality and um, and basically how deep I was. Um, I thought that this was an on-off switch. I thought getting over drugs and alcohol was a basically, you know what, I don't want to drink anymore. I don't want to do drugs anymore because my family says it's bad and I 50% of the time can see that this is not a good idea. Um, And I thought it was just, you know what, you just kind of turn it off. That's what it is. Um, I quickly found out that um, that it was more than that. Um, after about going to about eight treatment centers between my first and my last, um, spending, I mean, tens of thousands of dollars on treatment from the highest end cash pain places to uh, the lowest end county places, uh, places that my family knew I went and places that my family sent me to. Um, that's what my life became up to. And when I got sober for my, the last time, my sober date is June 25th, um, 2007, um, is I was out of my mind. I was smoking crack cocaine. Um, I was up to about a hundred, about $1,800 a day of crack cocaine. I got, I started smoking crack because my nose literally got so clogged one day that I wanted to, I heard Way back when, actually my first treatment, I heard of a guy, he got so stuffed up that he grabbed a corkscrew and jammed it up his nose to unclog it because he felt that there was a cork up his nose. 
Um, I thought that sounded like a great idea. It seemed logical at the time. And it also seemed logical that I was smoking so much crack that I literally had paratroopers coming into my house. It seemed logical that I would have to have all that everybody was always watching me when nobody probably really was. I th- you hallucinate things. You see things. Your mind plays tricks on you. You don't know which way's up. You don't know which way's down. All you know is your life is revolving around a baggie, so, like a, literally a bag less smaller than a golf ball. And it just controls you. You can't do anything without it. You can't talk to girls. You can't talk to guys. You can't go to work. I tried to get a job, and it was great. It was paying me well. You know, it was paying me 15 bucks an hour when I did, you know, which was good money to me way back then. And I couldn't get to work. I just, I couldn't go to the bathroom. This thing was my life, absolutely my life, Um, as bad as I wanted it to be sober and it was never a question of me not wanting to be sober because the what the life that I had pictured for myself you know growing up wasn't about smoking crack where I grew up you know guys like me don't do that that's just not what it happens you might drink too much you might do a couple other things too much but you don't get to that level it's another way and it just really goes to show where your life can go um and one amazing day, I was living in Lake Tahoe on the Nevada side. Um, I got a, my doorbell rang, and I looked through the peephole, um, and which is how I would always answer my door. Always look through the peephole because you never know who's going to be there. And it was my brother. My brother sitting there, totally unannounced, flew out from Chicago, found me, and literally just said probably the nicest words and also the scariest words that anybody could ever say to me. I heard you need help. Because God forbid I accept help or I ask for help. And that was very, very scary for me. And that's what started me getting straight. Um, earlier that week, coincidentally, I went to jail twice um, for just stupid stuff. Basically ripping off casinos um, up in Lake Tahoe, writing bad checks um, so I could get another bag of dope. Because I literally didn't have anything um, I owed money to drug dealers. I had owed money to the bank. Um, and I was just, it was a nightmare, an absolute nightmare. Um, and as I go back to it, it's just weird. I can remember the day that I got arrested for the last time by the same two cops going to the same jail in the same Cubs t-shirt and the same pair of pants that were so big on me because I had lost so much weight. I was down to 147 pounds and I was out of my mind. Um, And I went to jail that week. And that was the first time ever that I could really realize that I wasn't a drug addict. I wasn't in this trouble because my family wouldn't listen to me or my family wouldn't give me opportunities or I was dealt a bad uh, deck of cards, whatever it was. I was solely there because I was addicted to cocaine, um, 100%. And that was a big deal because every other time I tried to get straight, um, I always had I always had blame on somebody else. Yeah, I played a part in it, but uh, but somebody else or some other thing played a bigger role in it. It was never on me. And at the end of the day, how I do my life now is whether I swink or sink or swim in this world, I'm 100 um, percent. It's up to me. You know, it's up to me whether I sink or swim in this world. It's up to me. I pick the good people to hang out with or the bad people, whether it comes to personal relationships or business relationships. Um, So that's kind of where I'm at right now in a nutshell. Um, I run a treatment center here in Los Angeles um, that is a outpatient program, soon to have an inpatient and a detox. We'll be opening that up in this um, in this summer. And it is amazing uh, what's happened. My life wasn't supposed to be like this. I was supposed to work for my family business. At least that's what I thought I wanted to do or thought that was my, um, I thought that was my opportunity. But I quickly burned that bridge and I had to restart myself. So I try to teach all people that come here to treatment at Rebos that I don't care where you're at. Ten years ago, I was literally this week, ten years ago, I was, I can say for a fact, I was sitting in Lake Tahoe, smoking crack with a bunch of people. I literally didn't even know their names. They all went by nicknames. All went by nicknames. Didn't even know their last names. And 
now, and I went from my first job as being a landscaper in this industry. I've literally done every job, and now I now I run one of the largest treatment centers in um, Los Angeles, and it's a total blessing. And it's all because I run my business and I run my life just like my just like my sobriety. If there's something not right, I fix it immediately. If I do something wrong, I admit to it immediately and fix it. Um, I have no problem apologizing for anything. Um, constructive criticism and my and myself are very good friends that wasn't always the case i took constructive criticism as criticism and now i don't it's a very 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 big deal that i do that it's probably my biggest strength that i have so we have people that come here and hopefully looking for what i got and what i found and today is no difference and we're joined today by austin austin how are you my friend i'm doing good thank you i appreciate you coming on the show with us yeah um how, how long are you sober now uh, I got 35 days today. Today's 35. Yeah. Congratulations, yeah, man. Thank you. How is that the longest you've ever had? No, the longest I've had is I think just just coming up on five months. My yeah. first go around. Really? Trying to get this. Yeah. How many times is this? How many go arounds is this for you? This is uh, four, I think. Four. Yeah. How old are four. you? 24. 24. 24 in February. Wow. Yeah. When did you start these go arounds? Um, just uh, been November 2015 is when I first. Uh, came out to California for. Where are you from originally? Kansas. Kansas. Which, yeah, Wichita, Kansas. Nice. Yep. Right yeah, on. Long ways from home. Yeah. <laughs> right on, man. Yeah. So you've been through four treatments. Yeah. You're 35 days straight. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Thank you. So you had how many months? Five. Yeah, I, four? Ha- I had five months. Is the longest I've had. Yeah. Yeah. How? I always go back. I remember when I got sober the my last time. I had months, I had weeks, I had hours of sobriety. (laughs) And I always remembered just like, I would always compare them to the last one or to the one, this is just like my second, my second go around, or this is just like that. Where is this for you? Um, like as compared to the other ones? Yeah. Man, I don't know. So the first, the reason I think I had the first months, it felt so easy to me the first time was because it was my first. Is my first rehab. Um, or Were you naive? Um, I think it was just more. Of, I think you might have mentioned something about it, just the parents thing. I was doing it for my parents in a way, and yeah. it seemed really easy to do it for my parents at the time because it was my first time making that change, and I was in sober living, and I was kind of getting everything handed to me. You know, I was falling into that thing like that some of us do out here, the sober living. You know, they kind of baby you sometimes. So I was taking that every bit of it I could, and I decided to go home um, just because I don't think I was taking all the opportunities out here that I should have. So when all that ran out, I just, you know, I, I bail. That's what I do. I like to bail. So I just like, oh, I want to go home back to what I know. You know what I mean? So I did that and I wasn't working a program or nothing. And for me, um, AA is a really big deal for me. Um, and, I, I, and as far as the steps came, you know, I was one of those persons that said, you know, I did the steps. I, I did all the steps. But even if I got to 11, you know, if you don't do 12 and sponsor somebody else, you didn't do the steps, you know. So and I hear that a lot around me too. So I think that's uh, probably one of the, biggest reason I didn't stay sober when I was in Kansas um, and when I was down there I, I instead of flying back here um, I went to a 30-day inpatient in Kansas and the day I got out same thing happened I relapsed and uh, I, I met a girl in rehab at that point you know how yeah that buddy you know how that <laughs> you know I was like if the, steps, yeah, buddy. if the 11 steps can't fix me then this girl can you know totally. so, uh, we'll forget so, 12 and go to 13 right exactly <laughs> just skip it you know what I mean <laughs> Yeah, uh, so basically, uh, I moved her into my apartment. It's a gift from God. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's crazy how that works. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 met some, I met my boss in rehab, too. He has, he's building houses out there. He, he has a business building houses. So he, uh, the day I got out, or probably the next day, I started working for him. So I'm making all this money now. I got an apartment, got a car, but I had already relapsed. So And I, and I was getting these things as I just relapsed. So I'm like, well, this isn't so bad. you know. If I'm relapsing, I'm getting all this stuff. We're good. Ended up moving her in, and then I didn't realize that using with a woman like that is just, it gets a little more wild than trying to do it by yourself, for sure. Real wild. Yeah. Real fast. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, so I kind of skipped forward there, but one of the main reasons, this is probably the biggest part of um, why I, why I want to stay sober and get sober, and I'm, I want to do it for myself, of course, but um, before I ever came out here, um, the event that was leading up to that, um, I had a really good friend of mine uh, back in Wichita. His name's Adam, and he's his uh, absolute sweetheart. You know, he did everything he could do to help me. Um, if it was like trimming trees and not asking for a dime, you know, so I could pay my rent, or you know, if it all came to like stealing drugs, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
and uh, he was just uh, just like kind of like a pothead, real sweetheart, you know. And like I was the one kind of the side doing meth and stuff, and not wanting him to know about it. Is that you your know? drug of choice, meth? Meth and heroin. Yeah. Yeah, it was opiates at first because Kansas. Up and down. Yeah, exactly. It's like they're all one for me. You know what I mean? But uh, I. Uh, what was I saying? Okay, yeah, with Adam. So he starts hanging out with me enough, you know, he's going to get curious. So next thing you know, I, you know, I'm like, all right, here's the pipe for meth, you know. Um, so I, I let him smoke that stuff, and I've never seen somebody fall in love so instantly like that. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. It was also the most heartbreaking thing to see how much he liked it. You know, like my best friend in the world. Like I just, I know he chose to do that, but I heavily influenced it, you know what I mean? So what he did is he took it to the next level, and within like a month he, was, he started shooting it. Um, Meth just grabbed a hold of them that fast. That, yeah, I've never seen anything like it in my life. I was the same way with with crack. I remember after the first time, I thought I was going to have a heart attack, or I thought my my head was literally going to jump out of my body. Yeah, and it just I I I literally remember saying to the guy next to me, he went by the name of Shorty. That was his name, Shorty. Shorty. Right. He was short. It was true, but that's what his name was, and I will never ever ever forget just looking at him going. I've never had something made me as bitch quicker than crack cocaine. Yeah. Just took me. Yeah. I could never get hooked on meth, though. Yeah. I tried it yeah. because it was cheaper. Right, right. But I didn't like the ritual behind it. Yeah. I didn't like it. You know, I want to take a quick break real quick, and then I want to come back, and I want to find about who you were. when Before you got in here, what kind of guy you were. Okay. I want to know who that was. Yeah, for sure. And... Um, Everyone, thanks for joining us today. We're sitting here with Austin. We're talking about drugs. And uh, we're talking um, about how we got better and who we were and what we don't want to be. But we'll be right back. Thanks for joining us. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Getting Sober isn't just about not drinking and not doing drugs. It's a way of life. At Rebos, we have a team of talented professionals, each with their own clear and distinct message to walk clients from the darkest point in their lives out into the light. Rebos offers a carefully curated selection of groups and workshops in addition to a minimum of six individual sessions per week. At Rebos, we believe there are no cookie-cutter clients. And we meet every individual where they are at today. It's not a Rebos program. It's your program. Our team wants to help as many people as possible become who they want to be. And if you don't know who you want to be, we'll help you. Visit RebosTreatment.com to learn more about the Rebos Treatment Center. That's R-E-B-O-S Treatment.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Ramin. To find out more about Ross and the program, visit the Rebos Treatment Center website at rebostreatment.com. Now, back to The Power to Create Yourself. Hi, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming back with us. We are, um, we're talking to Austin right now, and he uh, he's kind of going over the where he's been and where he's going. Austin, I want to know, what kind of drug addict are you? Like who, you know, I always tell people, people are like, how do I get sober? And I'm like, you know what? You should do whatever you can on a daily basis being who, who you don't want to be. Right. Literally do the exact opposite. Right. So, have you fully identified who the old you is? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Who is that? Um, it's so. Uh, I hear I have a lot. I've met a lot of people out of California who are just like you know. As soon as they start using, and ever since they started using, you know, they're stealing wedding rings and doing all this and that. And it's like I got to that point in the end, but it took me a long time to get to that point because I grew up with a really respectful dad. 
my dad, my mom's a drug addict, okay, and then my dad's not, so that's like. When you say drug addict, what kind of drug addict is she? Um, she, um, she was, when I was little, her big thing was like, those OC, uh, OC 80s or whatever and stuff, uh -huh. and Xanax was a big deal, and uh, like lower tabs and stuff, and then it, it got to the point by the time I was 19, I was smoking meth with her. Yeah, so. Um, it's, she introduced you to drugs? Um. I, I don't know, you know, I really don't know. Maybe I mean it's hard. That's hard to think of because like were, yeah, were your parents married? Yeah, but they divorced when I was eight. I don't remember much of the marriage at all, right? Got it. So I think my first like yeah, I think my my first take of drugs was definitely with her. You know, finding weed in the couch and then finding needles in the car, meth pipes on the ground and stuff like that. Wow. But when I was little, I was just like, I thought it was cool to me. I was like, you know, I, you know, I'm gonna take care of my mom. You know, like that's fine. You know, like mom, look what I found. You know, you, you know, just want to let you know this is back here. Like when I was little, I thought it was cool. It was really weird. You know, I never felt the need to do it then until later on um until i got into high school which was where i can go to my dad's and be successful probably or go to my mom's and have all my friends come over and get high like you know that's a, that's a hard decision to make when you're like 15 you know what i mean wow so um was your mom hiding it at all or was she just rolling with yeah it? she was she was she was trying to hide it for sure but it's like we all knew i knew i mean she would try to hide it but not enough you know what i mean i think that was the point where she got real comfortable with me i remember when i found i was like 10 years old, I found a roach, a joint roach in the couch, and then she said, don't mess with it until she leaves, basically, it was hinting that, like, you know, if you want to experiment with that, just wait till I leave the house, you know, type of deal, so. Really? Yeah, so I think I just, um, I was so accepting of it, like, whenever I would find the stuff that she would hide it less, maybe, um, I don't know, um, but that's, so that's where it kind of comes on who I was, was I was this person trying to take care of my mom at first, and then I was this person doing the same thing with my mom trying to hide stuff from my dad, right? So it's like my, my dad. Your straight, dad's straight. Yeah, my dad's straight. He he actually owns a liquor store now, like one of the top-notch uh, liquor stores in, in Wichita, Kansas, which is crazy, you know, because um, my dad used to not be able to buy us a gallon of milk, right? But my dad's straight, and uh, was he ever a drug addict? No, never. He doesn't have that allergy we have, you know what I mean? He just never. He just walked. He just yeah, he's told me stories about when he was, you know, my age and, and dealings with cocaine and stuff like that. And now he's just, like, not having it. You know what I mean? He was like, I don't care if my friends... Oh, say, it's, it's... Yeah, you went to high school. You went to college. Yeah, college, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He, he a lot know, of people have done a lot of drugs and all that, but it doesn't mean that they, they don't get bit like we get bit. Right, exactly. Yeah, like, the fir the friend that showed me cocaine is, like, done with college. He's got... He's, I think he's probably he's like getting married. You know, he's got a great life, you know, and I'm, like, still doing it. You know <laughs> me what too, I mean? Me too, man. All of my friends, I was, like, 10 years behind them. Yeah. They all got... They, they left the party. It's crazy, man. I <laughs> they left. I stayed. The lights are on. Literally. The place is cleaned up, and I'm still dancing. Literally. Yeah, dude. Sweet Jesus. Crazy, man. I know. Um, but uh, I don't I don't know. What, because So the reason I think it took so long for me to progress to actually stealing stuff was because I was so scared of my dad finding out things or so scared of him. Just, just the punishment that I probably would have but still get out of somehow with my mom. Um, that I just I tried to stay like uh, the classiest drug addict I could for a while. You know what I mean? Which that sounds weird. But hey, I'm you, with you, man. You know what I mean? I tried for a little bit. And then it's not till I started uh, – uh, shooting shooting stuff is when I when I really just stopped caring, stopped giving a fuck altogether. You know what I mean? Um, and that's where that's where Adam comes back into play. My buddy, I was talking about um, because he started shooting and then he went to rehab. You know, for four months. And while he was in rehab for four months, I started shooting. So when he came back, he had relapsed already, and we got back together, right? And uh, this is where I started. I acted more like a a drug addict, I guess you could say. You know, we were stealing cars. You know, taking stuff off the cars, coming in my apartment, you know, stealing everything from Walmart we could. And it all came up to him. Uh, when you're stealing, are you going back and selling it somewhere? What are you doing? He, that's what the plan was, right? When you're on this meth, right, you got all these plans, right? And you just keep you just stacking stuff in your house, you know what I mean? You don't ever do nothing with it, you know what I mean? That's just like you just start a project, you know, like cleaning a table and you would end up not cleaning it but you'd still be on the table doing something you know with a rag i don't you know it just gets weird on that stuff yeah yeah so we just get stuck is what we call it you just yeah, get yeah. stuck and uh, he uh, left the house one day i was once again behind on rent about to uh get evicted so instead of trimming trees this time there's no way we were doing that he took this stolen truck over to his friend's house and there was one of the dope dealers that was staying there dude fell asleep um, the guy told Adam, the other roommate told Adam, here, the bag's in there. He took the bag. There was just under three pounds of uh, methamphetamine in it. 
and he brought it to my house, gave me an ounce so I could sell it. And then when he left, these Mexicans picked him up. You know, we didn't know who we were dealing with. Everybody, everybody's like, I mess with the cartel. I do this, I do that. You know, we're just like, whatever. Well, these guys were super crazy. They they took Adam, you know, and Adam had a gun. I'm kind of jumping all over the place right here, but Adam had a gun, right? And the only reason we had guns is because we like sport shooting in Kansas, right? You know, we sport shot before the meth even came to play. So we have these guns for sport shooting, but then the meth gets harder and harder. We still have the guns. It starts to change a little bit, you know? So uh, Adam gets picked up by these Mexicans, brought to all his family's house trying to get this money. He couldn't get it. His family called the cops, and they basically was like, Adam, you're dead. So they took him out to 53rd Meridian in Kansas over by the Walmart, and it's like the last Walmart in town. There's nothing good past that part, right? They put a sack over his head, and then Adam just started shooting all around. He killed two of them, and one of them still learned to walk and talk. And after that happened... Is so when, these guys put a bag over his head but didn't check him for a gun. Right, because like I said, that's where him, him being such a sweetheart comes into play because he's, he's just this real skinny, lengthy kid. Like, they didn't even first believe that he stole the, stole the dope, you know what I mean? And he almost got away with it for a minute. But... Uh, that's 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 a that's a big part of why I came out here in the first place because you know I never thought my my best friend in the world would have to do that you know what I mean. So he killed two of these dudes. Yeah, he killed two of these guys. Did he get caught for killing them? Yeah, he's he was well, as soon as and the car wrecked of course because the driver got shot in, in the head you know, and uh, and then they ran to the fire hydrant and then uh, Adam jumped out and he ran towards the first car that was assessing the wreck and he pulled his gun apart and was like help me help me I just shot three people they're trying to kill my family, so I just. Uh, this was a year ago in October. Jesus. Yeah, and uh, so he got all, he went to court and everything, and he's only getting four years. So he got three left to serve um, because of self-defense out in Kansas. Um, even though there's drugs involved, they still got off on self-defense because, you know, the stuff they found in the car at the bag and whatever. I don't know exactly the evidence they found, but it was enough to know that they were going to try to hurt him or kill him. You know what You're I mean? You're supposed to be with him. Right, exactly. And I was always with him, you know, always with him. And it's like... This kid has helped me so much. Like I said, it was trimming trees and not asking for a dime or stealing drugs, you know. And this kid, like, he just goes out of his way to do stuff for me. And then that happens to him, you know. And I feel like I was a pretty big asshole the whole time, you know. So how does that help you now? Um, I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's, a hell of a, that's a hell of a picture to put in your head of what you don't want to be involved in and who you don't want to be. Right, of course. So let me ask you something. Do you have, I mean, we romanticize things. Yeah, of course. Like crazy. Uh-huh. I'm almost 10 years straight. Yeah. And I still romanticize oh, it. Oh, yeah. I'll watch Goodfellas. Yeah. And I'll see Ray Liotta in that movie. Yeah. And his eyes are all jacked yeah. up. He's like up for 10 days. He's got helicopters flying around. I'll be, <laughs> in my head, I'll have a part of my mind that'll be like, that's cool. Yeah, dude, I know. What? I know, it's crazy. So, do you battle that? Yeah, I do all the time, and um, you know, like, but it's funny because the days that I don't battle that, I'm like, I'm good. I don't even have this obsession anymore. And the next day, it's right back, you know. So that's where I got to realize and (laughs) recognize these things in my head when that happens. But yeah, I definitely, I know exactly what you're talking about. Seeing the unhealthy Ray Loyota, like, yeah, fuck yeah, dude, you know. But he was always on every time (laughs) I was in treatment, and you know, you get you know time at night. You know, to watch TV, you know, right. after dinner and after all your stuff's uh-huh. done, you can, you know, maybe there's, you know, watch ESPN or you watch something. Yeah. I kid you not, TBS, whatever the hell it was, TNT would always have that freaking movie on. Yeah. And every time I went to treatment, it just was like, is this a test? Like, what is going on here? Right, test. Exactly. What is it? It was just like, freak, oh, my God. Right. So, yeah. you, okay, so you almost died. You should have been there. Right. Um, you should be either dead or you should be in prison right now with right, your buddy. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And he gets out in three years mm-hmm. for self-defense. Yeah. And so the cops obviously know he was, you know, dealing with the wrong dudes. Uh-huh. But he, so they, uh, it, so it wasn't like self-defense, like you broke into my home and I had to shoot you. Right. Or right, they right, would have right. let him off. Right. Exactly. This is self-defense because you're in a gang situation right and he was in psychosis too so i think that might have helped get him off as well <laughs> everybody was you know i don't know exactly what got him off but i know that the situation you still talk to him up. do you write him yeah this is where i've got a resentment to get myself right against myself is because when it first happened you know i came out here i was doing great right five months you know his parents were like oh yeah you definitely need to be hanging out with austin to get out he's sober right so i got back to kansas and i was in kansas about three and a half four months sober and then that last month and a half before i relapsed again i was at their i was at their house every day telling them what happened before 
Adam went over and did that because they didn't know anything still. You know, they're just, you know, know nothing, basically. They just know what happened. You know, they don't know what happened before leading up to it. So I filled them in on everything. And, and I would go and give them support every day. I would, uh, had uh, video visits with Adam every day because you can't physically see them while they're in county in Kansas. And uh, and I was just... I so really, do you go there and just talk on the video screen? Yeah, you could do it from your phone, kind of like a FaceTime thing. You know, wow. you set an appointment. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. But, you know, when you can't... when you, When you shoot three guys and then you go straight to jail no way to talk about or even physically touch you know it's got to suck for him you know what i mean yeah but so i was doing it and then you know and then i relapsed and when i relapsed i disappeared to, to all the people that are uh basically dear to me you know what i mean so uh, i disappeared on them basically you know like all my support was gone so that's where i hold a resentment to get myself big time um and i think just the fact that he gets out in three years, if I could still be sober then and give him, like, opportunities to, to start his life in a better way, just from where I'm at, that'd be great, you know what yeah. I mean? I hear you, man. Yeah. I hear you. Right. So, you don't want to be the guy that does drugs, that hangs out with people that are stealing bags of dope from Mexican cartels. Exactly. Uh, you don't want to be the guy that steals things. Right. Got it. And what about, what about your, I mean... What else? Because that's drug addict stuff. Right. What about your beliefs? My beliefs? What about your attitudes? What attitudes and what beliefs are you? Because, you know, this is emotional sobriety. Emotional sobriety is what keeps you sober 10 years right, or right, more. Right. What keeps you sober for the long time. Otherwise, you're just a dry drunk, as they say. Right, right. So, you know, I, I didn't learn that until my last treatment center. Right. I always thought this is if I can just stay away from the pile of cocaine that happens to be in every single street and stay away from every single bar, right. I will be fine. And I quickly found out that it was so not that. Right. This was, I have to keep my emotions in check because I learned that in my last treatment centers. I'll never forget when the guy asked me, he goes, the guy, meaning the, the, the head counselor that I had, he goes, so what are you going to do? And I'm like, I don't know. I guess I just got to not want it <laughs> as much. Yeah, um, yeah. And he goes, no, you don't have to hate ice cream in order to lose 20 pounds. Right. You don't have to hate cheeseburgers in order to lose 20 pounds. Okay. You don't have to hate alcohol, cocaine to, to not drink and not use. You have to get control of your attitude, your beliefs, and your mind. It's right. a mind game. For sure. For it's sure. a total shit show in your in our heads. Uh-huh. Our head tells us everything isn't okay right. when it totally is. Exactly. And and therefore we have to medicate. Gotta medicate. Exactly. Yep. And I think everybody's got that yeah. because there's TV commercials all day long are about you need this in order to have yeah. a healthy life. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to just eating some carrots and having some lettuce and just going working out every day. Right. So what you know we got a couple of minutes before this before we got to go to a break, but. What do you think is your biggest belief problem, your biggest attitude problem for yourself? My biggest that attitude That was either installed on you by, by you being a kid in society or by the drugs. I think it's this – so like you said, um, our brains are, one, are the ones that get us in trouble. That's the reason I'm here right now is because my brain is all messed up, right? So uh, the real problems come for me when I get sober. So as far as my attitude problem is, is definitely probably when something's not going my way, how I just want to – either run back to kansas or run back to the drugs so that's why i'm finding the tools and for me i'm finding the tools in aa and sponsorship to help deal with that kind of stuff you run your brain okay we're gonna go to a break but this is big you just said one thing your brain is all messed up and that's you know because our brains are all messed up and i don't even know if you knew that you said that but i love it (laughs) and you run you're right you run away i'm Mm -hmm. writing these down yeah Two things that we, that you, that we have taught ourselves. Right, exactly. Is wrong. And my question is, is your brain actually all messed up? And who taught you how to run away? So let's do this. Let's take a quick break. And then I want to know if your brain's all messed up. I know. All right, we'll I take know. a quick break, guys. Thanks for joining us. We'll be right back. This is the power to create yourself. If you missed any of this episode or other episodes, Please go into iTunes and look up Ross Ramin. Um, you can find past episodes for the all year long. Um, all different people, experts we've had, different people in all links to sobriety. Um, and you can check us out there. Thanks so much. We'll be right back.
Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Getting sober isn't just about not drinking and not doing drugs. It's a way of life. At Rebos, we have a team of talented professionals, each with their own clear and distinct message to walk clients from the darkest point in their lives out into the light. Rebos offers a carefully curated selection of groups and workshops in addition to a minimum of six individual sessions per week. At Rebos, we believe there are no cookie-cutter clients, and we meet every individual where they are at today. It's not a Rebos program. It's your program. Our team wants to help as many people as possible become who they want to be. And if you don't know who you want to be, we'll help you. Visit Rebostreatment.com to learn more about the Rebos Treatment Center. That's R-E-B-O-S Treatment.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. listening to the power to create yourself with ross ramin to find out more about ross and the program visit the rebos treatment center website at rebostreatment.com now back to the power to create yourself hi welcome back to the show thanks for joining us today we're sitting here with austin and austin thanks so much for all your honesty austin's coming up or is not coming up he is on 35 days on clean and sober uh from uh, heroin and meth yeah and um, you've been through four treatments. Yeah. As far as I can tell, you should be dead and you should be in prison with yeah. your with your buddy. Mm-hmm. And um, you grew up in a house with a straight father and um, in no disrespect to your mother, right. Um, right. A, a, mother, a mother that was addicted to drugs. Yes. And, and you're here. I mean, statistically, you shouldn't be here. Right, of course, yeah. Statistically, if somebody was betting and they saw how you grew up, yeah, is okay. You got a divorced family. Your dad lives over here. Your mom lives over here. You're hanging out with the mom at this young age. You should be either in jail or you should be dead. Forget about what happened with the Mexican cartel. Right, right. <laughs> but just, I mean, having your mom you know introduce you to that stuff it's just holy smokes yeah it's pretty powerful at the time um you didn't even know that though right yeah of course i didn't know that time for sure i just uh, how old are you i'm 24 you're 24 years old so 10 years ago you're sitting with your mom doing drugs yeah basically yeah is your mom alive now yeah she is do you talk to her i do I do. She's um, still addicted to drugs? You know, she'll tell you no, but it's a total thing of un- untreated alcoholism for sure. Um, you know, because her new husband has nobody to talk to, hasn't dealt with an addict like this before. So when I get there and see him or get on the phone with him, he just lays it out on me. Everything that he tells me is like exact story that I've been through with her. Just slightly different because it's a different time. You know what I mean? It's a different person. Exactly. Right. But same subject line. Yeah. And uh, and it's crazy to hear, you know, and she'll be like, you know, I, I, like I first came out here again, right, to get sober again. And she was like, you know, you're going to love it on this side. And, and I'm like, what do you mean? You know what I mean? Like your husband just told me you stole his Adderall, <laughs> you know? So it's and I, I, I'm i at a point now where I'm just trying She's to. She's probably being a cheerleader for you. Yeah. Yeah. She, you know, you're right. You're right. You know, she's trying to be a mom for I mean, sure. She's trying to be a mom. She's the trying guilt to be, that she has must be just horrendous. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely, you know, and I'm guilty of like taking advantage of that plenty of times in my life too, which is bad. You That's know big I mean? for you to say. Yeah, it, and I've you been laid on your mom. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I'm realizing a lot of things lately. You know, um, I don't know because I'm, I'm having to make certain changes. You know, and, you know, I only got 35 days today, but I've been out here for you know since October again. You know what I mean? So, um, are you over it? Yeah, I mean, I think I am. Um, I, I experienced this this last run out here in California. You know, the drugs are different out here than they are in Kansas. They're a little stronger. So I ended up in the hospital for three days and lost some friendships. And all that happened within two weeks, you know. And it took, like, two months back home for that to happen. So I, 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 I don't know. Hopefully this time I get it. Hopefully I realize I think I'm over it. You know, I want to believe it. 
You know, I'm in the I'm in I'm in the work a lot more um, as far as AA goes. You know, that, that's what works for me. So, no, I get it. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, it's all it's all depending on what you're doing. I mean, you could be a straight A student. You know, right. you could be great in the class uh-huh. and all this. But it's, yeah. I mean, I tell the kids that walk around here and the adults that walk around here all the time, it's especially on Fridays. Yeah. It's like I, I do groups here on Fridays and I'll, I'll literally look into the audience and I can smell it. <laughs> I can smell yeah. who's going out yeah. that weekend. Yeah. And then I can also smell the people that really want to be. So there's the people that want to be sober that say they want to be sober, but they don't even realize how close to the edge of like a total shit show they are. Right, right. And then there's the people that are like, I don't care what happens. I will shake. I will cry. I will kick. I will scream. I am not going down that hellhole again. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the kind of people I need to surround myself with, too. You know, I mean. The biggest thing that I found for myself is, is like, just knowing it. Like, first of all, I did not trust myself. Right. Period. Mm-hmm. I learned that my head was such a liar. I literally, and I say this all the time, I didn't talk for three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Only talked to my counselors. Right. And the treatment program came up to me like, we think you're isolating. <laughs> and I yeah. said, I'm not isolating. It's just, I'm so full of it. Right. I lie about everything. I lie about if you told me you grew up in a three-bedroom house, I grew up in a four. Yeah. I, I literally, I when I probably grew up in a two. Right. If you had a plane, my plane was one seat bigger. Yeah. And it had like a rocket on the back of it or probably <laughs> something on the side of right, it. Right, yeah. If you if you used to do two grams a day, I did three. Yeah. I just was like the stupidest shit. It's yeah. like, shut up. Yeah. Every single thing was fabricated. Mm-hmm. The other part it was is every time I had a story, it was never about myself. It was about somebody else I knew. Yeah. I never had anything that was mine. Right, right. Meaning I had nothing to be proud of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah it's, a, it's a tough spot to be in. And, uh, I mean, I'm guilty of all those stories, too, you know. And I, and I have friends that are like, like you said, they take it to a whole other level, too. Where I'm just like, I can't, I can't bring my story past that one. It was funny when I was talking to girls. Yeah. Because I would say anything to girls to get with them. Right, anything. Right, I had a bartender when I lived up in Lake Tahoe. Mm-hmm. And, um... I lived on the Nevada side, so there was casinos everywhere. And for those that know Lake Tahoe, it was up in Incline Village at the Hyatt. Mm-hmm. And I think his name was Bill or Billy or something like that, the bartender. He was probably in his 40s. Right. And he said to me one day, and it didn't make sense to me there. It was funny, but it made sense when I was in treatment. He says, man or woman that sits next to you, I have no idea what's going to come out of your mouth, but it sure is funny. <laughs> And I thought that was just kind of funny and, you know, I'm a funny guy, you know, hey. But then when I got into treatments, like, every single thing I say is a lie. Right. I have to lie about who I am to impress people. Mm -hmm. And then I got to lie about who I am to get myself out of trouble. Yeah, exactly. It's like smoke screen, smoke screen, smoke screen, Mm -hmm. smoke screen. It's just, I'm a big, um, the whole thing is a stage act. Yeah, definitely. I at one point counted 12 different Rosses. (laughs) 12 different people of me. Right. Think about it for yourself. How many different Austins are there? You had a different Austin around your mom, yeah. a different one around your dad. Mm-hmm. There's two right there. Yeah. Let's add three because there's always the Austin or the Ross that when you're by yourself in a bathroom, yeah. that's a diff- that's like the most authentic you you probably right. have. Right. So I'm wondering, have you ever thought of that? You walk around here. Are there chicks? Are you still the old Austin or are you a different version of it? That's a great question. When you're talking to other dudes here, there's probably certain dudes here you're one way with and your other dudes you're another way with. Yeah, of course. Think about it. Yeah. When you think about how many different Austins or Rosses there is, I mean, that's a really good way to think about it. I've never I had 12 like of me. <laughs> think about that, though. Right. I guarantee you, you have at least six. Probably. Yeah. Gonna Today. Me, you're going to have me counting when I get out of this door. You should. <laughs> well, if you think yeah. about it, people are always like, how do you get straight? You have to literally – I always tell people that it's – when you come into treatment, it's – people come into treatment because they're spiritually bankrupt. Right. And this has nothing to do with religion. I look at spirituality as a um, – it's when you are not in your own rhythm. So – I look at most people that find their way into treatment. I find most people in this world are are precision, like driving machines. Mm-hmm. They are Ferraris. Right. They are Lamborghinis. Yeah. And if you've never driven one of those, you have to learn how to do it. Right. It's 
not like driving a normal stick shift car because a normal stick shift car, you're in second up to like 35 miles an hour. Right. In a Ferrari, you're in second at 80 miles an hour. Right. And also, it's so you don't overheat it, you don't over rev it, and the thing can corner like it's on rails. Right. But we drive them like Broncos. Mm-hmm. So life is this big squiggly line of road, mm-hmm. and we're driving like a Bronco straight up the middle of mm-hmm. it. Yeah, exactly. And we overheat all the time. So you have all these different U's overheating you on a daily basis. I mean, you're probably, and I say this as no disrespect, but you're probably lying on a daily basis still. Right. At 35 days sober, I would imagine you would be just because you don't realize how deep it is. Right. Are you past just the want and desire to get sober? Because once you get past the want and desire and you really cannonball into it, right. like I wrote something down here on my pad of paper today. It says, changes two parts. First of all, admit that the change needs to be happening, right. which you're obviously in right of now. Yeah. And then number two is the courage to make that change each and every day. And that was the kicker for me. I never did to. I thought you could just do it. Right. I mean, and it's turning out to be you can't. You have to every day. I got to get up. And I, I'm i literally, I'm one and a half bad decisions away from a trip to Bangkok. <laughs> right. No. Yeah, I hear you. Think about it. Yeah, man. Yeah. I uh, I mean, as far as laying on, da- laying on a daily basis, man, I would say definitely when I got out here, but uh, the people that I, that I reach out to now make me check myself on a daily basis. So I, every day I have to write where was I was where am I resentful of somebody? Where was I afraid? Where you was do I do that? Yeah, where was Who I? Who makes you do that? Uh, my sponsor. His name's Jamie. Right on. Yeah, that's what uh, you got to do. And he's been very very helpful to me. You know, and it's you know you got to be careful. Like if you're really in the A, you got to be careful not to make your sponsor your higher power at the same time because they can they can be really helpful sometimes. Where you're just like, oh, you know. I'll make him my God, you know what I mean? Yeah. But for me, I need a God that's higher than anybody that I've ever met, you know what I mean? So uh, it was hard to find, too, you know. I have to really sit alone and breathe for a minute to connect with that power. And that's what I'm learning this time um, the past couple months. Even when I, you know, when I was out this last time, you know, that really brought me, like, just being in the hospital after overdosing and ended up with that humble you. Yeah. Big time. I think it did, you know, but this like, as of right now, that's, that, that's helping keep me sober, but it's like, you know, next month I could totally forget about how bad it was. You know, that's what we, we have do. such a short tolerance for pain. It's crazy. like not a short tolerance, a short memory. Right. I mean, honestly, you think about it, mm-hmm. people, I swear to God, people would not drink anymore if they knew how badly they were throwing up the night before. Right. right. Think about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, we we always remember the great high of it, mm-hmm. but the ugliness of it, yeah. the sketchiness of it. I mean, the, the anxiety part. we put on ourselves. Yeah, I mean, it's bad. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. I I I don't know how we reset so fast, but we do. And uh, I definitely am really good at that. I'm really good at forgetting. You know, I I can never remember the, the worst parts of it, so I have to be reminded of it on a daily basis. So if I don't do a daily inventory, I'm screwed, you know. And that's like there'll be a couple of days where I just kind of don't do it, you know. Maybe like the weekend or something, I'll be like, I wasn't resentful today, but even that little part, you know, I really was. And if I just like, keep that behind me, you know, that could possibly get me high again, you know what I mean? It's little things. Uh, yeah, just little little things. Now, you know, it's crazy to realize that such little things can do that. So I really have to take action, you know what I mean? And I realized that this time. Then I think my my realization of what needs to happen is helping me. Get to back to 35 days even, you know what I mean? Well, so, um, I don't know. We'll see. You know what I mean? I'm just going to stick with it. And, and and everybody that has what I want is working this program like I've never seen before. So, that's 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 just like, you know, that's what it comes down to. You they know say, I mean? it's just like in sports. They say, if you want to get better, you play with people that are better than you. Right. You know, yeah. it's like when I go snow skiing, I'm a big snow skier. It's like, I like to watch videos of people that are better than me. Right. I like to ski with people that are better than yeah. me. If I ski with people that are like equal to me, I ski well, but I'm skiing. Exactly. I, I'm I'm not I'm not gaining ground. Exactly. exactly. I'm not gaining ground, and it's like I have I, I I'm still in um I'm still in my aftercare. I'm still an OP as right. they call it, right. just an outpatient. I have three I have three mentors counselors. Mm-hmm. I have a business counselor. I have a spiritual counselor, and I have a personal counselor right. that I meet with constantly. It's mm-hmm. like. I just want to be better. And they are always calling me out on my stuff. Right. And I have I have moved on to other ones that 
not because they weren't good, but, you know, it's kind of like a kindergarten teacher. Kindergarten gets you through kindergarten and then first grade, then second right. grade. Yeah. I have moved up in my mentors to do that just mm-hmm. to push me to another level. Right. It's been critical. Yeah. Mentors and role models, I think, are a huge thing in anybody's life, especially with sobriety. Ten years or one year, you know, I think a mentor, and, and, and that's a huge. You, you know? got to. Right. And I run everything by him. Right. I run a lot of stuff by him. And then my wife, my best friend. You know, she can always tell me if I smell like it. You know, smell like the old me. Yeah, right. In some way, even though yeah. she never met it. Right, met right. the old me. Mm-hmm. Um, she knows what it smells like. Right. Yeah. 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 It's not hard when we start getting in that way. Just something changes. Something. The energy is what we put out is what it is. You know. Whatever. It's a funk. It's yeah. like walking around with you know you got dog shit on the bottom of your shoe. Basically, yeah. 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 And it's just, it's like, what stinks? What ain't right here? <laughs> yeah, and I know that for myself, because I start getting like really, my anxiety level goes up. That's when I know shit's not right. Mm-hmm. I, my inter- internal like thermometer inside me yeah. starts bubbling up. Mm-hmm. And I can literally feel it inside me. And I got to like stop and go, what is not right here? Mm-hmm. Seriously, what yeah. is not cool? Right. And I got to go back in and I do what you do. Mm-hmm. I go through my inventory mm-hmm. on a daily basis. Yeah. What didn't I put away emotionally or physically? Right. You know, it's like keeping your house clean. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No, it's yeah. literally, but keeping your head. Yeah. Austin, you've been a gentleman, man. Thanks for joining thank me today. You. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thank you. It's I a big it. deal, man. Keep going, though. Thank you. Keep going. Work your tail off every day. I'm shooting And for start it. calling these people out that are down here. You'll see them in group. Yeah. You know, they don't listen to counselors. Even though they hired us. Yeah. You know, I did the same thing. But they listen to other people, and that's what I did. Yeah. Just call them up. Go, dude, I just, um, I've done what you've done, and this is where it's going to end mm-hmm. up for you. For sure. It'll only make you strong, and you could save somebody's life. Yeah. Everyone, thanks for joining us. Again, if you've missed any of this show or you want to hear other shows that we um, have done, you can go onto iTunes and look me up, Ross Ramin. Um, and I can't thank you enough for joining us this week. We'll see you next time. Have a good one. Thank you for joining us this week on The Power to Create Yourself. We hope to have you tune in again next Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, for another edition with Ross Ramin on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have an enlightening week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.